0: Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. As always, thank you all for the worship. It's great to see you this morning. So I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Once again, Colossians chapter 1. I want to press into a a thought that we have uh, been dealing with. And even a scripture, the very verses that we dealt with last week, I want to spend a little bit more time here with this particular thought uh, that you were created for such a time as this. And today, in Colossians chapter 1, I want to read once again verses 24 through 29. And then we're going to enter into this idea that for such a time as this, you and I have been given the ball. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to His working, which He works in me mightily. I want to read that one verse up there, verse 27, once again before I pray. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Father, as we get ready to uh, just search the Scriptures, would you please, God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Teach us today. We, We... the last thing we need, and you know this better than anybody. I'm not schooling you, God, by any means, but I'm confessing today. The last thing we need is for our our fleshly appetite to be stirred, for our emotions to be driven in a direction that would gratify the flesh. What we need, Father, we're confessing that we need your truth. We need you through your word to radically change our thinking, that it might change our lives. We want to thank you today, God, for the ability to be able to understand Scripture and to be able to to, to have it, to look into. And then, Father, for the conviction from the Holy Spirit to take what we've learned in Scripture and apply it to our lives for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. For such a time as this, you have been given the ball. I have been given the ball. I am the last person in the world that should be giving uh lectures about sports. I, I know just enough to be dangerous. But I I am one thing for sure, I am an a an avid high school football fan. I have been for quite some time. My brother played in two state championships in South Carolina, four A state championships. Our high school uh went, uh they went up, they they went to the state championship his junior year, they won the state championship his senior year, and then the year after he graduated, they went back and won it again, just to prove that they could do it without him. I hope he's watching. We traveled all over the state of South Carolina. Christy can remember... We had, we have, matter of fact, we still have tapes of video and the, the football games and things. So we traveled, and, and, it, and it was, it was amazing to travel with a winning team. And, and it to be your home team, you know, where you're from, something else. I mean, we we went, I remember traveling to Seneca. It, that, at that time, they were the, the, the baddest things that walked on a football field. We were the underdogs even though we were seated for the state championship. We were underdogs in that game. Went up there, and I mean we were ridiculed coming into town. There was people just hazing us as we came into town. Came into town, them people wasn't standing around when we left town, neither. They was gone. Uh, about two quarters in, Quincy Wicker. Never forget him. He was about as wide as for me to Ben over there. He was about that tall. <clears throat> you give him the ball. You ain't got to get nobody out of the way. He'll get them out of the way. He was guaranteed four yards. He was going to give you four yards all game long. Well, they tried to enter in, save him just a little bit. Couldn't save him in that game. So they put him in and the tides started turning. And man, it started to be a beatdown. One reason I go to a high school football game now is because that is one of the few places you're going to get to see the potential of an amazing thing happening. That's the last time I believe you're ever going to see somebody get the ball that really ain't supposed to have the ball. You know there's a fumble. here's a 275 pound 11th grade uh, lineman. he's got the ball and he don't know which way to go with it because he's never had the ball. And everybody in the stands is going that way! You never know what's gonna happen. I know in the little kids, it happens all the time. Everybody's always telling them which direction to go. But right before they cull them down to those college elite kids, you've always, you've got those guys in there, the freshmen that are playing on the varsity and they're nervous as can be. Anything could possibly happen in those moments. And they, they still pull some crazy plays during high school too, every once in a while. And I'll go all year long just to see that one play where they pull out all the, all the stops and, then, and they just do something crazy. I just I, I love it. Did you know, just as we've said before, that I believe that this is nearing the end of the game. I believe we're getting down to the nitty-gritty in, in, in the world we live in. I just, I just think that time is drawing close. And that God has, uh, He He developed you in your mother's womb for this very day that you live in. I don't know what age each person is in this room and online, but no matter where you are in life, God has appointed you to be here for this day. And He did not appoint you, as we've told you in times past, to just sit the bench. No, we're at the last possible, the last huddle, and the play's been called, and you and I have been given the ball. Now, there's a lot of yardage possibly left in front of us. There are a lot of things we got to look out for. There are a lot of things that we we need to have uh, in, in our in our bag of pleased to know what to do. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want you to listen to that verse once again. To them, verse 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. That's us. Do you realize that? That it tells us in the Bible that the prophets, 1 Peter, that the prophets desired to look into the things that you and I are experiencing. They desired to look into this whole salvation plan, but it was hidden from them. Can you imagine that? The prophets of the Old Testament, the the seers of the future, by the grace of God, through His power, they can't see into what they're desiring to look into, and you and I are actually living it. You and I are living this moment. The the, the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? And when you think about that, everything's hanging on me. That's not what the verse said. Christ in you. You and I are, pardon my little illustration here, but we're playing a different game than that Friday night football game in high school. You and I, it's like the roles have been reversed. You'd hand off to Quincy Wicker. My brother was a pulling guard. He was on the left-hand side. If I remember right, I might be wrong on that one. But, but Quincy Wicker had the responsibility of tucking that ball in, getting as low as he could, and taking them five-gallon bucket legs he had and churning. My brother had the job. Now, my brother, he's light-skinned. Quincy Wicker wouldn't light-skinned. Even though he weighed more than my brother, he could probably run faster than my brother. But my brother had to stay ahead of him and, and, and clear it away. Him and that center had to clear it away for, for that back coming up through there. But see, the roles are reversed. You and I have the star within us. And we're we're running this race, it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Yes, we're running the race with endurance. But what are we doing? We're looking unto Jesus, the author, the, the, the originator, the perfecter of our faith. And he's the one that's living in us. And that's what the prophets of old couldn't see is that Christ lives in us. And he is the hope of glory. He is the one that is the hope for the the glory of the end. And as a matter of fact, I think we're going to read it in one of our proof texts in just a moment. We're going from glory to glory. From the Old Testament originating glory on to the glory that's to come to when everything's said and done and it's all finished, we're all home in heaven. When we all get to heaven, glory will be perfected. From glory to glory. But it's Christ in you and in me. And as we go along this journey, as we run the race, I hate to say as we play the game, but as we run this race, you have to realize that trials come along. And trials are random. Trials in life are random. You may go through some trials that I won't go through. I may go through some that you won't go through. Some may go through some similar trials. But trials are, are random. L- listen to John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Job 14, 1 says, Man who was born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And all the women said, Amen. Now, 1 Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, don't miss those words. You hear that word tribulation, and then you hear that word trouble, and then you hear the word suffered a while. May He perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So we know that there are trials in this life, but the thing you got to understand is that trials are random. Some folks hear the word cancer. Some folks don't. Some folks hear the words you're fired or where you're laid off. Some folks don't. Some folks live life and they get to retire and enjoy what that picturesque uh, scene is of retirement, that they've done all they could and made arrangements financially and they 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 leave the job that they were working at and they enjoy good health long enough to enjoy this retirement thing. But that's not true with everybody. Some folks plan and save and get all that stuff done, but then their health fails them and they're not able to do the things that they wish they could have done. So trials in this life, but see, you got to understand the trials of this life, are just a development or a manifestation of the fact that we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where trees die and some trees don't die. We live in a world where where people's lives seem to be cut short a little too early in our opinion. I don't know about short, I, I, I'd like, I, I plan to live forever, but then I know on this earth and this, our flesh it ain't going to happen, but I'd be for that, I really, I really don't want to go through death. I mean, it's just. I'm just being honest with you. That's not something I wake up in the morning and go, boy, I just can't wait till the day I die. Even though I know I'm going to be with Him, I don't want to go through the process. And Lord, if I am going to die, and here we go with trials again, some folks in a car wreck and not fast. Some folks go to sleep and they never wake up again on this side of heaven. Trials. Sometimes you find out that people change and you go through trials dealing with them. Trials, they, they come on, but then you have other trials that come along. Huh. I give you a good one that we're going. We are going through, but we're going to go through some more. Um, the shot that was heard around the world this past week. Jerry Nadler, a congressman from Florida, stood up and proclaimed the word of the Lord before Congress. And this was the response. As a matter of fact, I'll show it, give it to you like this. Let's see here, uh, if I can find. So I, I looked on. There, there was. I was checking some things out, and I found this this fact checker, not Snoop's, but but this fact checker, and and it says because there was a claim that that Nadler had said God has no authority in the House of Representatives, and they said that is a false claim. He did not say that, and he didn't. He didn't say that. This is what he said after that. Uh congressman from, from Florida stood up and, and and told them, basically told them a nation that goes this direction is heading in a horrible way. And quoted the word of God to them. And this is what he said. What any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. How many of y'all know that that happened this over the last week? Got any hands? Listen listen to me, Christian folks. Because to me, even though he didn't say the words that the claim said he said, it's the same thing. Listen to what he said. What any religious tradition... That's a, that's a hurtful statement within itself. To pile us in with other religions. Just any religious tradition. What any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern to this Congress. In other words, he did, in essence, in the face of Almighty God, say, we don't care what you think, God, we're going to do whatever we want to do. And this is the folks that's leading our country. I don't think ever, I don't know that if there's ever been a time in the history of this country that such idolatrous Pagan words have ever been spoken. Maybe so in the halls of the Congress, but not out loud, not in the face of God's word. To be read God's word and basically say, I don't care what he says. It's no concern to this Congress. That's a trial. Now, I want you to understand trials have been coming for a long time. Elijah went through trials, he stood with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Trial. So trials, they're random. You may be in some today, you might not be in some tomorrow, and they may change. So I'm going to move on. Do you know that temptations, though, are common? Trials are random. Temptations are common. I'm going to let that sink in for just a moment. Because we get to a place, and this is, this is one of the most misunderstood areas of the Bible, in my own personal opinion. We live our lives, and and, and I want you to know, I hear it so often, I feel like revisiting sometimes just to help make some sense out of it. God will never what? Come on, church. God will never put what? More on you than you can handle. And that's nowhere in the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you right now, some of the trials that I've been through in my life were more than I could handle. And I've not been through much. I know plenty of folks that have been through things and trials. Some of you folks sitting in here, some folks watching online right now, you've been through more than you could actually handle yourself. Thanks be unto God for His grace, amen? Sometimes it's it's heavy, the weight. But see, you got to understand the temptations, they're common. As a matter of fact, when we think about and all this is relating to the fact that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that you and I are transitioning. We're on our way out of here when we came in here. And we're headed home one day. But on this road, we got to understand trials, they're random. Temptations, though, they're common. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 14 say this, Now all these things happened to them as an exa- as examples. They were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. I'm going to read a little bit more in just a moment. I want you to hear No temptation has overtaken you or me except such as is common to man. In other words, we're all in the same boat on this one. Temptations. It's temptations of the flesh. The the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the the desire to be be in control of things. These are all original. it's, It's right there in the Garden of Eden. It's what caused the fall to begin with. That that lust and that pride, that's what we deal with. See, it comes and manifests itself in a lot of different ways, but it boils all the way back down to the central thought that temptations. Listen again. No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation... He will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So in other words, we got to realize what a temptation is. We know what a trial is. A trial is something that you, it just has come upon you. You didn't ask for it. It's there. Sometimes it's decisions that other, make, other people make, and they, it, it becomes a trial in your life because of what somebody else did. Sometimes it's just the fact that we live in a fallen world. Those are trials that come upon us. But see, I think it's important for us to differentiate. See, temptations, there's a difference between a trial and a temptation. See, a temptation can turn into a trial, but it can also turn into a self-made trial in our lives. Listen to uh, James chapter 1. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then we know as we progress along what happens. That that lust starts to to grow and develop and before you know it, it turns into sin. And before you know it, sin brings forth death. You see, that's what happens in our lives when we're tempted and we do not find the way of escape if we can't bear it. In other words, I've Gosh, I hate I've, I've used myself as illustration so often and stuff like this. It's just amazing. But 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 think about it. If you can't handle it, then what do you do, Church? Come on. If you can't handle the pressure of the temptation and you're going to fall to it, do you just fall to it? What do you do, Church? You run. I mean, let's don't play around with. Don't make it pretty. It ain't got to be pretty. You say, I don't run real well, but you better run. You better get away from it. Why? He says, be careful. Take heed. When you think you're standing, you better be careful because what's going to happen? You'll fall. Why? Because our flesh is weak, right? And, 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 and as we, we go along, we don't tempt the flesh. Why? And think about it. This is all about running the race. This is about Christ in me, the hope of glory. Why? Because I want to finish the course. I don't know about you. I want to finish the course. And I'm thankful for His grace that has allowed me all my mess-ups and my mishaps to this point. Can I get a witness? Now I'm thankful that God has allowed me the privilege to continue to stand even though I have messed up and I'm thankful for His grace. But see, we can't can't live life like that, just constantly eating up on the grace of God when we know that we should do different. And Christ in us is saying, listen, take heed, lest you fall no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. In other words, you, you're not in, in the boat by yourself, even though other people might act like you're a, 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 you know, a weirdo and you, you struggle with things. I'm, thanks be unto God, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly growing past a lot of childish things in my own personal life. But see, it won't take but just one thing to draw me, draw me back. If I, if I give into it, I can go right back into the foolishness of my youth but you don't have to go there. I'm not proud of my testimony before Christ. I'm not proud of the things that I have done in, in, in ignorance and, and even some in stupidity in Christ. I'm not proud of those things. Those, the, the, it's horrible that anybody would transgress against Christ, but guess what? He's warning us temptations. Temptations. Be careful. Why? Because they'll overtake you, but God will make a way of escape for you. Romans 6.14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And James 1.12 says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, but when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's been said that opportunity knocks only once at the door, but temptation leans on the doorbell. <laughs> Amen. It seems like it's there all the time. <laughs> and it also has been said that if you... Don't want temptation to follow you. Don't act like you're interested. Did you know that unfortunately there are tragedies? Tragedies do happen and they're unfortunate. It's just the truth. And I'm talking, still talking about Christ in you because I want you to listen to me. L- let me read these verses again out of Colossians just so we can kind of make sure that we understand we're still right here in the text. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery, of his this mystery among the Gentiles. I'm talking about this mystery. It's the gospel. The gospel that not only saves us, but the gospel that sanctifies us, and it's the gospel that'll glorify us one day. And we're talking about this sanctification process. Is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And you and I cannot perfect every man, but the Word of God can. Can I get a witness? The Word of God can, can, can change us, but it's Christ that's going to present us faultless before the throne. We know that. So it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's why I say it's a, it's a little bit of a reverse. You and I just run the race, but who's, the one that's in us is the superstar of the game. Of life. Verse 29, to this end, listen to what Paul says, to this end I labor striving according to, listen, His working which He works in me mightily. What working? The grace to get through the trials. The wisdom to run when the temptations are too too much. And then the tragedies that happened happened in life, they're unfortunate. Matthew 7, 23 says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, or you workers of iniquity. See, there are some folks in the Christian life that think that they are saved, think that they have Christ, and they don't really have Him. And it says that one day... He will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Now, he's talking about church folks because he says that they declare, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? In other words, didn't we preach? And didn't we do ministry out with people in your name? He says, I'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's a tragedy, isn't it? that would be a tragedy for somebody to be in the church serving the Lord, seemingly saved, but go for years upon years upon years, knowing many of them, knowing that they're not saved, they're just manifesting this stuff in their own flesh. And for them to not make it, them to not be there, that is a tragedy, folks. Amen? I mean, that the gospel would be preached before them week after week after week after week. Some folks 50, some folks 60, 70 years, even to just go one week. But that's a tragedy. There are also folks who are serving the Lord and they fall into various trials and, or temptations. One such temptation, 2 Samuel chapter 11, you find David fall into a temptation. He's supposed to be with the the folks out in battle. And what is David doing? He hangs back. As a matter of fact, he's there at his palace, at his home, in the time of the year when kings go out to battle. Sent his troops off, but he stayed back. As he's there, he sees her off in the distance bathing. He calls for her. She comes over. Some things happen that shouldn't happen. And there again, his appetite was enticed. He gave in. and he, he made some decisions that he shouldn't have made. Then he took it even further. He called for her husband Uriah to come, come home from the battle. He tried every way in the world to get Uriah to go over there to be with his wife so that the child that she would bear would be thought to be his and not be David's. Uriah was a man of integrity, would not do it. He even got him drunk, and he still laid on the doormat and slipped because he wasn't going to do it because his fellow soldiers was out there fighting the battle, and he said, I'm not going to do it, not with my countrymen out there fighting like that. So he ends up getting, sending a letter to get Uriah put in the very heat of the battle, put him on the front lines. There's no way he'll make it, and he ends up getting killed out there on the front lines. The child that she has dies. And David's whole life has changed from that point forward. Yes, God did redeem his life, no doubt. But he never was what he was at the beginning. Never. His family started turning against him. That's a tragedy, isn't it? For the king of Israel to go through something like that. The leader of God's people. And Matthew 26, 15 says, what... uh, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Judas. He walks with Jesus for a number of years. And the whole time, he's stealing from the ministry. And then at the end, he's the one that ends up betraying Jesus to the chief priest and those and he even tried to go give the money back. He wouldn't take it. What does he do? Went and hung himself. Tragedies. They do happen, right? And sometimes it's an it's a ultimate tragedy where it's not redeemable. It's gone past the point. It's committed something or transgressed against God. In other words, turned their back on God, those who thought they were saved and wouldn't, wouldn't really save, then you got those who just mess up in the Christian life and sometimes the decisions that are made in those temptation moments or maybe they succumb to trials and they fall and it's, 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 it's tragic. Let me throw this out at you as I eat, in, enter into this last thought. Your past is a lesson. Your past is a lesson, not a death sentence. I want you to hear this this morning. You and I are alive and breathing. Take a deep breath right now if you can and let it out. You and I are alive right now. There is oxygen going to our brains. Some would say very little to mine, but that's okay. There's oxygen going to our brains. That means that our our, our neurological functions are happening. You you laughed, you smiled, things are responding. And folks at home and folks here, if we have the ability to respond to to reason at the moment as a Christian, as a child of God, then God is, is playing with us that your past If you've had failures in your past, they should be lessons to not fail in the future. Why? Because that's how God works in us. That we be not conformed to this world, but we be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Contrary to some people in Congress, there is a will of God, and it's good and it's perfect. As a matter of fact, it's the converting of the, even to the converting of the soul, it's so good and so perfect. And you and I have an opportunity that today would be different than our yesterdays. Sometimes we look back and we go, wow, I was serving God more then than I am now. This should be a lesson to us. It should be a lesson to us. Why? Because you and I are down to the wire, and for such a time as this, God has handed us the ball. We have the gospel. Each and every one of us have the gospel, and we have the responsibility with that gospel. Your past is not a death sentence if you will make right choices for the future. And that's what it comes down to, folks, is it not? I mean, I'm thankful that God's grace works in my life sometimes, even in my ignorance. But isn't it a shame for God to have to work in my life like that? Why can't I just follow Him, listen to Him, serve Him, trust Him? Last thing I want to tell you trials they're random temptations are common tragedies well tragedies are unfortunate but I want you to cheer up because triumph is promised triumph is promised in other words we are promised to win. Isn't that good? I, I, I'm serious, man. You, 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 to go into to the game, and you already know you're going to win. I'm not talking about you or anxiously anticipate, we're going to win. I'm talking about it is already written that we win. That God's promises are sure and true, are they not? God's promises are true. If you, I will. If you, I will. He's got them all through there. If you do this, I will do that. And he, he has won, for one, he's already won the battle, right? The ultimate battle, is done. <clears throat> Here's a couple of verses to encourage you. First off, let me go back to Colossians and read 27, 28, and 29 so that we can kind of cap things off here. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And all this stuff we're talking about, all this life that we deal with, that's what he's talking about. The mystery, the glory of the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ knew that this day would come. When he saved us, when he died on the cross, he knew that you and I would be in the position that we're in at this very moment. He said, I'm not serving the Lord, but I want to. He knows it. Not only does he know it, he knew it. He said, I'm serving the Lord with gladness and joy. He knew it. I'm not saved, but I really today is the day that I really feel like that I should give my life to Christ. He knew it. I've got plans to serve the Lord. i got to get through some of these things. He knows it. Do you get what I'm saying? This is, this is a part of the mystery of the gospel. Is said, even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and He did not perfect us completely in our flesh at this moment. He will in the future, but He did not at this moment. And God, so God knows that we struggle with the flesh. God knows that we're tempted. That's why He wrote the book the way that He did. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall with calamity. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I failed him. But yes, the victory through Jesus Christ says, get up again, repent, and move on forward. That's you, you and I. I mean, we are to continually keep pressing forward. Why? Because we're victors. We're winners in this thing. You say, I don't feel much like a, victor, a victory dance. No. Dance on, my brothers and sisters. Why? Because you have the right to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy through Christ, not through arrogance and through pride. That's why I say your, your past, your yesterday is not a death sentence. It is a lesson to learn from to take us on to tomorrow. And that's the important thing, is that we, we take and we realize that if we'll just move forward, we'll, do, we'll, we'll make the right choices from what we know we will stop the sin that we're living in will not fall into the temptation of sin tomorrow because we know that it's not pleasing to Christ. The greatest need in our world today is for God's people to return to holiness. That's the greatest need in our world today. You say, the greatest need is we need new leaders in our country. We've been down for so many years now with people who just don't love God. No, 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 no. The Bible says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven. It didn't say if the United States of America would turn. I don't know where we get that from sometimes, but the Bible says if my people will turn from this, their ways will pray. Why? Because God, His eyes upon us. Although it may get down to a remnant, but God, we're God's people. If you're saved today, you're His child. Yes, He cares about lost humanity. He sent Christ to die, but His eyes on His people. Why? Because lost people do what lost people do. They're not going to repent. They're not going to act different. They're going to do just what we did before we got saved. Psalm 145, 14 through 16 says, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. He just wants us to come to him. Bring all of our faults, all of our failures. Why? Everyone needs forgiveness, don't they, Tim? Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness. And you, right where you're at right now, you might say, I've got something in my heart that I I need God to forgive me of, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know if he will. That's why it's so childlike. You just come to him and say, I'm sorry. I've wronged you. I realize it today. And I'm not going to do it tomorrow. That is repentance. Repentance. Paul said this, he said to this end, verse 29, Colossians chapter 1, I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. This is the Apostle Paul that said the confusing words at Romans. I want to do this, but I end up doing this, and I don't want to do this, and I end up doing that. And he said, I press on toward the upward call of Christ. Press on. I want you to understand this morning, He wants you to press on. Not just Paul, I'm talking about Christ wants you to press on. It's you and I who are running this race and all other Christians on the face of this planet. You're not alone. There are other Christians out there. Trials, they come. And they're so random. Why is it happening to me not happening to them? Temptations come along. But you don't have to fall to a temptation. Don't think you're so strong that you can handle it. If you can't handle it, run. I leave places sometimes. I do. I'll, quit. I'll not finish the business I'm doing. I've been pumping gas before. been a while now. But I've been pumping gas before. Pumping my gas, I ain't got half my tank full. Lady leaning around the gas pump. Up, got to go. <laughs> Why? It's the best way to get out of the situation, right? I preacher, you're crazy. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul heard some words that I'd love to hear one day. And by His grace, I I plan to. Well done, Thy good and faithful servant. Come on in. I didn't have to get that from St. Peter. No, that'll come from Jesus Christ Himself. I'm going to ask you to, if you would, to stand with me for just a moment. You know, Tragedies, and let me just want you to hear this. Tragedies don't necessarily mean that you're done forever. Sometimes things happen, and yes, they mark us. But as long as I have breath in me to repent, and you have breath in you to repent, then God has another day. Learn from yesterday. Move on. Why? Because we've got victory in Jesus Christ. You and I do. Victory in that cross. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life. uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins. And that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins. And I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. the world so much that he gave his son for us. Mm -hmm. Amen. God bless you guys.